songs unleashed. G'day ladies and gents, my name's Robbie Turner. Welcome to another episode of Axons Unleashed. Shit, I've been looking forward to this. This is going to be one of the cracking episodes we've done for a long, long time and that's saying something because we've had some amazing guests on here recently. I recommend you watch this on Spotify or watch this on YouTube because the banter and the interaction and the rapport that my guest and I have got here today will be something worth watching as opposed to just listening. I won't, won't lie, if you are just listening to us on the bus or the train on the way to work, you're probably going to start bursting out laughing in front of everyone and I wonder what the fuck you're looking at. But mate, it brings me absolute great pleasure to bring a good mate of mine. We've known each other for a long time. I can't wait to share the story. We've got Sean Spain join us with us from Bespoke Gold Coast Realty. Brother, thank you for coming along. Welcome to Axons Unleashed. Pleasure. Good yeah. to meet you, mate. Yeah, yeah well, no. good to see you again. Meet, meet you. We, to be fair, we haven't probably seen each other for... The better part of fifteen years, easy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, easy. I know we've interacted loads and loads yeah. and loads on social media and email and whatever else, but it's so good to see someone that I haven't seen for quite a while. And you have you haven't changed too much. No, nah, I just got fat. <laughs> <laughs> so, says I. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. So yeah, thank you so much. Like as as a business owner yourself, veteran entrepreneur, as I like to call it. And myself, our schedules are bloody crazy busy. I know your business is booming. I can't wait to tell everyone about that. You're in the real estate game as well, so it's similar. Like you, you do some, you do things very different to us. But at the end of the day, you and I are both in the industry. Would you agree of allowing people to create wealth in their life by buying and selling houses? Definitely, one hundred percent. That's what know. it's all about. And uh, like, like I've mentioned many times, a lot of my clients come from Melbourne and Sydney. And uh, I'm selling to them with uh, investment properties. I'm also helping out locals and veterans still as well and yeah. pensioners. So good. And I know you've been doing it for, for a long time, mate. So, hey, um, as I normally do on these podcasts, mate, take us back to the start. And this is something I don't know about you. And certainly I can't wait to share the story of how you and I know each other anyway. Where did you grow up and why did you even think about joining the military? Well, I, I grew up in um, Victoria, a little town called Broughford on a uh, two and a half thousand acre property. Oof. And I was a um, yeah, sheep farmer. With, uh, with my parents and my grandfather. Love it. Love yeah. it. There's something, be, there's something to be said about boys from the bush, people from the bush. You know, one of the wonderful ladies we've just had join us, uh, Shania, she's from country Victoria, and she's a fucking gem of a lady. She's, uh, she's easygoing. She's one of the boys. You can say fuck around her every now and then, and she loves the footy, the AFL footy, that yeah, is, yeah, yeah. The, the real footy, but she's just a bloody gem to be around. I grew up in the country, and I, I really, really resonate with people from the country. It's funny, my wife says to me, she goes, geez, you speak like a bogan sometimes. I'm like, no, babe, I'm from the country. It's fucking different. She, she's from Western Sydney, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what right she's got to say about talking about like a bogan. Uh, apologies to all our Western Sydney uh, listeners. Uh, but, mate, grew up in a, on the farm. What was yep. that like? I absolutely loved it. I was there until, um, yeah, I was 28. Um, but I, I was living in town at that stage as well. And, uh, you know, life on the land is just absolutely phenomenal. You call a spade a spade. Everyone helps out one another. You know, there's no BS. If somebody needs a hand, you go out there and help them. You know, we, we had sheep, we had cattle, we had horses, we had you name it. We even had emus and deer and all that sort of thing as well. Shit. Yeah, there you so, go. you know, our, our pigs and ducks and chooks and, you know, we're self-sustainability. Yeah. It was, it was really good. Yeah, good Love times. it, love it. Where did the idea come from then for, you know, for 28-year-old Sean? You, got a, you had a few indoor cricket seasons under your belt then as far as life, life lessons go. What made you bloody run off and join the army? 
Well, it was, it was one of those things, you know, I, I did my apprenticeship as a diesel mechanic and then from there when I finished that I went over to the States and worked on, in over in Montana, USA, mm. you know, and then from there as a truck driver, farmhand and um, just spending time and did over 12,000 mile in a Lincoln Continental, Woof. 460 V8 and then I came home and I worked for a, uh, a transport company called Knights Transport and then from there, um, you know, one day I've just sort of thought, well, I've always wanted to serve my country. Why not become a police officer or join the army? So I turned around and just gone, well, I'll try out for both. Yeah. And uh, I post passed all tests for the police officer and as, as well as a, um, the army. And then before I knew it, I got a phone call, get on the bus. You were going down to Kapuka. I was going to Kapuka. Early 1999, I understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 2nd yeah. of February, 99. 2nd of February. You get off the bus at Kapuka and who's fucking waiting for you? Oh, well, we had um, all, all sorts of corporals yelling and screaming and, uh, yeah, Bombardier Turner, RT. <laughs> yeah. Me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some big big guy looking at everybody and screaming and yelling and get off the bus, get off the bus, line yep. up here. Yeah. You know, and everybody didn't know what we were doing. It was quite amusing. Of course. And you know what, mate? That was uh, – you would have been my first platoon I, I put through. So I, I went down to Kapuka in January – having finished my time jumping as a paratrooper with 3RR yep, when A yep. Battery was in, in uh, Holsworthy. Went down there, did my recruit instructor selection course, you know, got all quoled up effectively. So you guys getting off the bus would have been my first interaction if it was that early. Um, I only did four platoons whilst I was down there, so you would have been my first one. You were my guinea pig, mate, as a recruit, yeah, right, by the way. <laughs> but here's the thing, of course, you would appreciate. I fucking distinctly remember still to this day what it was like some 33 years ago when I got off the bus and some motherfucker was yelling at me. So uh, it, it, it was one of those things, mate. Um, how did life at Kapuka start to settle down for you, though? And, and you know, the, like it wouldn't have been too much of a culture shock for you. It wasn't a culture shock for me because, yeah, being 28 years of age and having all these younger kids, I was pretty much resonated with them and a lot of them were calling me dad <laughs> you know and you know they're too scared to go and knock on the door you know <laughs> corporal bombardy turner or whomever yeah you know can we speak with you you know and they'll, they'll ask me to do it because i too bloody well scared <laughs> to I, I can i didn't worry me yeah, like don't get me wrong bombardy turner he had me on my toes and he had me feeling for my seams and my pants every now and again yep good but uh you know it was hard, it was the full process of going through basic training knocking you down from being a civvy and becoming a soldier. Yeah. You know, and becoming a soldier, you know, that led into a 15-year, five deployment de- deployments and um, mm. it builds you, you up as a uh, as a soldier. Yeah. You know, and basic training is there for a reason. We, we need to know what is going to happen. Yeah. You know, they don't train you to, you know, see casualties and things like that, but, you know, over a, um, a, a time of uh, deployments... We ended up uh, learning to cope with that to a certain extent. Yeah, you do. I reflect on my time because, as you know, Sean, I had the opportunity after I got commissioned from Sergeant, the captain did my first SOTG trip, having done already Timor and Solomon Islands. And then I went down to Duntroon and did a similar thing. I wasn't down there doing the basic training in third class. I was the leadership instructor for second class and first class. So effectively, what I used to say to the cadets down there, I'm like, listen, do yourselves a favour – when you see me rock in with my bloody commando bearer, you know we're talking about leadership. I was the only commando officer down there at the time. I'm like, I'm speaking to you about important shit that you're going to put into place very soon after and probably go to Afghanistan. Now, I didn't have the opportunity of putting it into context with you when we were doing when I was putting you through your basic training because East Timor had only just started kicking off in sort of 1999. That's right. Certainly there was no you know Afghan or Iraqi um, trips on the horizon. So I feel a little bit that... Um, 
the context I was able to provide cadets down at Duntroon many years ago was much more impactful because, you know, no, and sure as shit, sure, and, you know, 18 months after they left Duntroon, they're fucking platoon commanders leading troops on combat operations in Afghanistan. I couldn't provide you that context down at Kapuka. I'm like, just get through basic training and go and be a good soldier and one day you might need to put this in, into practice. And certainly with your five deployments, mate, and I want to get into that as much as what you dare. You, you know, you've absolutely taken some of the lessons learned from our basic training, you know, being brilliant at the basics and gone and, you know, gone and done bloody amazing things. Oh, too right. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely phenomenal, you know. And uh, and my, I remember my first my first march into, you know, my um, at three three Basby at the at that stage, and I've rolled in and I have had to go and see uh, my platoon commander, and he's telling me what I needed to do and how do I needed to do it. And I said, "Sir, no disrespect, but you barely had an appies. You know, the sergeant <laughs> levitated." Yeah. Out of his chair, and he's nearly grabbed me and forced me outside and had a bit of a chat to him. But he reckons it was the funniest thing he's ever heard, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, from there I went over to the mess and I was peeling potatoes for a few, a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just as a nice little reminder there, uh, um, Private Spain, don't tell the bloody platoon commander that he's fucking still in nappies. Nappies. Hey, before we go too far down that track. Um, you sent me an email this morning that recounted a story of mine that I, I don't I don't remember. I remember one little bit of it because one of those things I I for those who've known me for a long long time, you would agree I've lived a full and energetic and very eventful life. It's almost like my my bandwidth is full. So when something comes in, something's got to drop out. And when I was reading some of the things you sent through to me today about some certain little uh, event that we did down in Kapuka, mate, I wanted I want you to share that story with everybody because it was I brought everyone over to read my screen. I'm like, fuck, this is funny. I don't remember everything about it, but I know it happened, and I definitely want our listeners to hear all about it now. Go well, for it. The, the, the funny thing was, uh, you know, at, at at Kapuka, you know, the bombardiers, the corporals, they're really into giving you a hard time. Hurry up, hurry up, wait. wait. Wait, hurry up, hurry up, get your, your shoes Not polished. good enough, do this, do that. <laughs> Turn around, try again. You know, so we wanted a couple of days, you know, break. And uh, I, I mentioned to Bombardier turn up, how about an arm wrestle? And, and, and if we win, you've got to leave us alone. If not, you know, you can double up on, uh, on give us a hard time. Well, anyway, I knew that I could beat him. I, I, I was a pretty, I wasn't as massive as what Bombardier turn was, but, I, <laughs> you know, I had a few arm wrestles in my time. Anyway. You're a bloody 28-year-old bloke from the country, mate. <laughs> Fucking hard as nails, like alligator skin. Yeah, well, it was, it was quite funny. We, we sent through all the guys, and, and, and by this time, you know, Cash was the last last person to sort of uh, give him an arm wrestle. And so I've got be, 10 or 11 bloody arm wrestles under my belt by now. Yeah, we've worn him out. It was funny as the next minute, yeah, I've shaped up to, to Bombardier Turner. We, we, we've, we've gripped arms. I'm looking at him, and, and you know, he, he's strong. He, he was pretty strong, and we're just holding there. Next minute, I've looked at him. You know, I've given him a wink and I've blown him a kiss. The look on his face was priceless. And down I went. Bang! Smash. <laughs> you know, yep, won, won it. And yep, yep. He, he, he honoured his promise and so the other corporals and we had two days of uh, leave us alone. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it was priceless. It was good fun. I do not remember all of that occurring, but I still remember you looking me in the eye, blowing me a kiss and winking, and I went, fuck, now I know what happened. And all of a sudden my bloody shoulder nearly got ripped out of my socket. So, mate, yeah, good. That's a very, very good, a uh, good story, mate. It's, it's, it's for not like I remember a lot of things that, but my section commander did to me at Kapuka back in 1990, almost 33 years ago, and I'm sure as shit he would not remember any of them because you know to be fair there was there was more and more platoons after you and you know the, and the stories I've got for those people that are probably etched into their brains as well. But when you're just down there doing your job. 
it's just it's just become sort of part and parcel. So, mate, I thank you for sharing that. It it it, it enriches my soul to know that you still remember that story. I shan't now forget it. Um, and yeah, it's certainly uh, something I, I absolutely cherish, mate. Thank you. I'll, I'll tell you another story, and it's quite quite amusing. And um, we're at the RDJ, and everybody's going over. And uh, we've got this um, young lady, and, and, and she was built like a brick shed house, you know. And then all of a sudden, uh, the PDI comes across, and uh, and he goes, um, "I said, guys on this side, girls on the other side," and, and all of a sudden, the look on your face was absolutely priceless. This girl's gone. I am a girl, you know. I'm over here and in the girls, you know. And all of a sudden, the PDI's look on his face was just phenomenal. And Robbie was started. You, you could see the other corporates just look away and start pissing themselves laughing. She must have had a really short haircut, and you couldn't she tell did. she was she a did. female. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. She was a GA giant, Jane. That chick. She was, she was absolutely, <laughs> you know. And, and she could have taken on the guys uh, RDJ without a problem either. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Tell me. Um, so we know already as you transition into, into the real world, into the real army. Um, calling young lieutenants, bloody saying saying that they've still got their bloody their nappies on, you know, is a bit is a bit weird. When did you sort of feel like you were into the groove and really enjoying being being you know in, in the army and, and you know, hitting your straps, starting to get some recognition, you know, getting some some kudos and credence amongst your peers and your and your superiors, and starting to get you know some promotions under your belt. Well, what what happened? Uh, you know, MAS came through the whole uh, brigade of. Um at Laverick Barracks That's with all the, the vehicles. Maintenance, maintenance advisory service? Correct. Yep. Correct. And che- then checking all the non-techs, making sure everything's up to up to speed. Correct, yeah. yeah. Making sure everything, all the paperwork's submitted for any work that needed doing. Well, being a past mechanic, I um, I never told anyone that I was a mechanic. I kept that secret. But uh, my section was the only section that actually passed MAS. And then uh, all the other vehicles within the whole of Laverick Barracks, most of them were actually grounded as well. So it was my section going out doing all these tasks, and uh, the, the the two I see called a a parade. And next minute, um, yeah, she was she was yeah cursing and swearing on how useless everybody was sort of sort of was. And before I knew it, uh, yeah, she was calling me up to uh, to stand beside her, and um, I'd only been there three months, and uh, pretty much from there, um, yeah, the recognition. And I thought, no, nah, this is lasting I wanted because everybody was going to think I was a bloody brown nose. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing up there, you bloody jube? Yeah, 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 pretty much. You know, and I was. I was, I was a jube completely and utterly. You know, I was the first person in my whole family to ever join the military. My mm. grandfather's family, family, they all supplied horses and, and um, supplies to the army. They actually didn't join the army, so I was the first one. Got it. Yeah. So that, that was another reason why I joined the army, because I wanted to uh, yeah, serve my country and be the first one. Yeah. Mate, there's no doubt about it. I, I don't remember you specifically, again, because it's just too long ago for me, but I do remember having, um, and certainly... Duntroon was the same. When you have a mature age recruit or a mature age cadet, like you would have been, yeah. so everyone else is 17, 18, 19, you're the better part of 10 years older. Obviously, there's a shit ten more experience and just, you know, life exposure that goes life into that. Life experience, definitely. I know I, I, I absolutely sort of, um, and I can't remember whether I did it to you, pulled you aside and go, hey, what's going on with those other young fucks down there? You know, like, so I used to really... Um, Lean on, you know, like you're like a mole, like you're an insider. Definitely. What's going yeah. on is everyone sort of getting through this. So yeah. I'm, I'm sure in the real world that some of your superiors would have gone, all right, this is not like a 21-year-old young dig who's a jube. He's a 28-year-old guy who hasn't done many years in the, in the, in the army per se, but he's still got a lot of life experience and therefore perspective and attitude toward things. Oh, oh, definitely. You know, and, and it did actually help me out in my progression through the army and actually being promoted early and, and, and getting the trips overseas. Right. You know, from pretty much from there, um, you know, getting recognition from the Ramey guys, 
making sure that my all my vehicles were up and running and I wasn't even a second commander or two IC. I was just a private that wanted to continue to work. It was the easiest job I've ever had being in the army. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, working for a civvy transport company before I joined the army, you had to work and you had to work hard and you had to provide, you know, on, ongoing maintenance schedules, make sure those trucks are on the road making money in the army. We're not there to make money. We're actually there to uh, serve our country and uh, be deployed. Yeah, yeah. It's, and you and I as now as business owners know that there is a commercial aspect, like cash is the oxygen of running a business. Definitely. You've got overheads, you've got people you've got to pay, you've got bills, you've got, you know... But um, none of that licenses. exists in the military. None of it You just existed. fucking rock up. And if you break it, you go, buddy, submit your L&D into the Q store and another one bloody, you know, mag- magically arrives. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Broadly. It, it, it usually did, but um, yeah, I, I usually stepped on a few people's toes by not waiting for, for bits and pieces and parts. And uh, as, as again, running a service department um, as a civvy, I used to just go to Mack Trucks and actually buy the part, get it all fitted, talk it all up and uh, take off the red stickers. And from there, I yeah, had to front the, the CSM and explain what was I doing taking off red stickers. And um <laughs> Then I had to explain to him that, you know, sir, no disrespect, but I probably hold more qualifications what you do. Yeah. And then i got to please explain from there as well. <laughs> you know. So you don't mind pushing the boundaries, mate. Look, it's one of those things. When the truth is the truth and you're actually communicating with that um, genuine and, and authentic manner, even if you are just a private, as you're saying, you, you certainly knew more about how to how to run a sort of uh, in a proper transport operation than mo- most others. Well, it was, it was quite funny that day. He gave me 20 minutes to prove the fact that I hold more qualifications than him. I went home, got me folders of all the qualifications I had and then um, submitted them all and he's looked at me and goes, holy shit, you actually got paid, you know, you're on nearly 120000 a year and you've joined the army. He said, why don't you over and rain me? I said, you couldn't pay me enough. Yeah, no, nice. No, you don't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, I just wanted to drive, get out and about, you know, see the d- different country and uh, yet again get deployed. Mm. And again, I didn't really want to get promoted. I wanted to stay as a private and uh, hit all these deployments. And then Tell us about your first one, mate. First one, 1999. You know, it um, it was absolutely uh, a, a true honour to be on that deployment. So later that year. Yeah, later We that met year. in 99. So you're like fresh out of Kabuka, yeah. six months later, boom, yeah. you're on deployment. Pretty much, yeah. I'd right. already had my um, heavy combination licence before I joined the Army. And then they were asking for TDA, TDW, that's a um, Mac uh, water truck, drivers, and there wasn't enough of us. So they got me on the first course and uh, said, you're going to, co- going to East Timor. Yep. And just then kicked off. Just just kicked off. So before I knew it, yeah, we are on, um, on either a plane or a barge or um, boat heading over there. You know, and then from there, yeah, we, we hit um, Dilly and um, we're off uh, loading everything. And, uh, yeah, it was... It was uh, very surreal, you know. It was so quiet. There was no birds. Everything was burning, you know. The smell. Everyone has been a dilly. The smell of burning rubber or the smell of burning everything, you can't forget it, can you? <laughs> no, no. Um, unfortunately, there was uh, the smell of burning bodies as well, mm. which was um, pretty um, pretty disgusting, you know. And ju- and just seeing the, the atrocities that are actually happened over there as well. And this was the, the, ba- the Badlands back in, in early, early in, in mid ninety nine, mid to late ninety nine when it first kicked off. Shit, I didn't do my first trip over to East Timor until two thousand two. Right, yeah. And there was no shoot 'em ups going on then. No. Like it was all bloody just pure pure peacekeeping. But and it was it was uh, quite a mess, shall we say, when the first people went over there. It it was. You know, and, and we, we set to task to um, make sure that um, we are living in pits and all that sort of stuff. We didn't, weren't even living in tents at that stage. You know, we still had our hoochies up and all that sort of thing. Mm. You know, um, doing our perimeter checks and uh, doing our patrols and... Um, Good. All the yeah. shit I taught you to do. Yeah, pretty much. 
you know, and, and carrying a lot. Wasn't of wasted, mate. No, it wasn't. You know, it was it was a true experience. You know, and abs- and again, absolutely loved it. You know, I would have done that deployment for free. You know, to to be there in '99 uh, on that first deployment to East Timor and to help people. You know, work and you know, again, there was nobody around. They all headed for the hills, and I was living in the hills. And you put your ninox on, and you could just look up in the hills, and you can actually see where all the fires were burning mm. up there, where people were trying to keep low so they wouldn't get attacked or hurt or shot or yep. macheted to death or, or whatnot. You know, the militia were really going to town on them, unfortunately. Yeah, got it. Um, let's jump straight to your second one because we've got five to go through. You're a bloody, you're a war dog, mate. You're a war hero. Oh, where where, where uh, was your second one? Uh, yeah, second one again was East Timor. Right. I did a back to back. So the first one was two RAR, um, three Sisby, uh, three Basby, then three Sisby, and then the yeah, second one, um, yeah, East Timor again. Yep. So pretty much uh, because of uh, what happened. But, you know, it, w- it was one of those things that, um, you know, I was thrown into workshops. You know, they wanted me to get vehicles going and work with Ramey. So, yeah, I, I did all that as well. And uh, before I knew it, I was meeting the RSMA and, um, and yeah, in Cosgrave, that was the first one. And uh, before I knew it, yeah, I was, I was, I was heading over to Suai. I asked to be headed over there. Yeah. But the second one was a little bit different. Again, more more peacekeeping mm-hmm. and um, doing the, patrolling. The, the whole mission had transitioned it, by then, hadn't it? it, it and it had. You know, we were um, working with the locals more, um, trying to stop the gang violence as well and uh, doing a lot of patrols and uh, and a lot of supplies up into Batagade, you know, we called it about a gutful, um, <laughs> you know, and a, across to Suai, you know, the roads were absolutely atrocious. You know, they were about as wide as a Mac and, you know, we'll, we'll go through a set of tyres a day. Just yeah. get up there and you and change very severe drop-offs. Severe so drop-offs. So it was actually yeah. very risky yeah. driving those heavy vehicles around there. It was. You know, nobody went over, thank God. And, um, you know, it was, again, one of those experiences that uh, we'll never forget again, you know. But, um, again, posted to, to Batagade in... Uh, in East Timor, that was the one of the hottest, muggiest places you could ever be, and that's why we caught about a gutful. Mm, I know, bet it was it was good times. When did you get promoted, mate? When was your fir- when did your first hook come along? Jeez, my first one came just after two thousand and two, after the after the deployment. Yeah, you know my um, geez, my <laughs> first first uh, promotional course sub one. You know, they, they say pack light, freeze at night, and um, unfortunately I didn't didn't do that. <laughs> you know, a typical bloody truckie, I, I packed everything thinking that I, I could throw it in the back of the, uh, the Land Rover. No, so no. The, the Land Rover was in between your shoulders. Yeah, yeah, bloody oath it was, <laughs> you know, and, and it was quite funny. The DS has looked at me and he goes, you're going to be six today, and I've just got, shit, where am I going to put this? You know, but uh, the boys helped me pack it all in. But, yeah, I had close to 50, 55 kilos on, mm. on me on that day. Those, those comms were... <laughs> They were bricks, you know. They 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 weighed a weighed a nice few kilos. Yeah, yeah. What was that like, mate? Um, again, I still distinctly remember the first time I had a hook in my arm, and that's that transition you make from being one of the boys into being, you know, the leader or the manager of them. Like, how did you find your first step in the leadership? Let's talk about that for a bit. Well, pretty much, um, you know, after that first MAS incident when I first joined, they actually threw me into a two IC position, and I'd only been in the army for for four months then. So I was literally a, uh, a 2IC anyway. So a digger but by appointment 2IC. Correct, yep. yeah. So I, I, I was ready for it. And uh, and again, it wasn't hard because I was more of a, a servicing NCO and uh, making sure that all these vehicles would be continued to be, get service, the paperwork was submitted, and uh, there, there was no MAS um, issues, issues after that. Yeah. You know, and that was for the whole platoon in the end. And um, so, yeah, 
getting promoted to uh, Lance Corporal wasn't really a uh, an issue at all. You know, yeah. I just fell straight into it. And again, having that maturity, mm. um, and you know, Sarge Begali, absolute champion. If you're listening out there, you know, he, he was an absolute uh, phenomenal guy, and uh, he just gave me free reign. Great. Pretty much all the corporals and all the sergeants, and you know, and that was for um, Bravo as well, working with them. You know, and, and working with all the other privates and teaching them how to, to fix their own trucks, what to look out for if something was to break down. Do you know? There's no doubt about it. When a leader gives a when a leader gives a subordinate free reign, do you know what he's saying to you? I trust you. I believe in you. You know your shit. I know you won't let me down. Go do your best. Too right. Yeah. That's what it means. Yeah. That's in my mind. That's what free free reign means. And I have no doubt you felt that. You embodied that. You weren't going to let them down. You do know your shit, and you would have loved a little bit of autonomy. Oh, and again, it was it was absolutely awesome. You know, with all my privates, all my subordinates, you know, and uh, and the hierarchy as well. You know, in the end, um, I was getting you know further in, into my career. You know, I was I was getting phone calls directly from you know General Highmarsh generals, you know, mm. saying Spainy, you know, he's like Spainy, it's Michael here. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that was absolutely uh, that. That was that was good times, and uh, and again, a lot of the um, the OCs and uh, sergeants, warrant officers, going, you know, why are you getting a call from uh, a general? What, what's he want? You know, and I was just, like, <laughs> oh yeah, he just wants to get some shit done, mm. you know, and I'm getting it done, you know. Going past all that uh, red tape BS and going straight to a QM to say, you know, the boys need this. Yeah. And uh, again, when you're working for the elite, you don't want to hold them up when they when they need something. Of course. You know, and, and that was my job to make sure it was ready, their vehicles were ready, you know, the, the stores that they wanted were ready. And uh, again, working with, um, you know, other other corporals, um, sergeants, warrant officers and, uh, and, and the elite, you've you got to make sure that it's there done, dusted, and no one's waiting. Mm. And that way, you know, the mission can proceed without any um, hiccups. Let's talk about some elite, because I, I did a trip to the Solis and a trip to East Timor. I felt like they were like little rehearsals for the main game. For the main game. For the main game, when you go over to Afghan and or Iraq. So I know, I know you've got some Af- experiences in that, mate. So Afghanistan, let's, let's, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, was, that was a step up, you know. People really want well, to hear Welcome that. to first grade, son, oh. as, as they say. <laughs> you know... I always remember, you know, flying in a TK, Tarrant Cout. We, um, what year we're talking now, mate? Oh, that's 2006. Right, so pretty you know, early. We, yep. You know, had the, I, it was myself and, uh, and a private I chose uh, who I wanted to take with me, and uh, he, he was pretty switched on with um, the, the mission and what, what we had to achieve with uh, teaching uh, the boys, you know, special operations vehicles. Just for context, I went over there as, SOTG one in August two thousand and five, and we went over and set up TK. So right. you were there very soon yeah, after. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. fucking not much there. There wasn't. Much we were there. sleeping in tents again, yeah, getting rocketed yeah. every night, wondering if one of those fuckers were going to land on your bloody face. So yeah, it wasn't wasn't pleasant. But yeah, so you're you're over there quite early, mate. Yeah, for yeah. your first trip anyway. And, and it was bloody cold, you know. The, the minus tens, minus twenties. Yeah, know, everything was freezing, you know. But uh, again, especially at night. But um, otherwise, you know, our first um, trip over there was actually in a uh, in a Chinook, and uh, we had air support all the way there. You know, Blackhawks flying beside us, other American, you know, Apaches. helicopters, Apaches. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, they escorted us because, you know, the the Taliban just wanted to shoot down a Chinook. You know, so we had absolutely. They've seen the movie Black Hawk Down, yeah, and they're like, let's like Mogadishu, yeah, let's go fucking do that again, yeah. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, they did get a couple, but not ours. Not ours, thank yeah. God. Yeah, 
But we, 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 we took off and next minute we're tack flying in and uh, before we, we got to a certain area, they, um, they decided to do a test fire with 50 cal. And uh, my, my, my private, I won't mention his name, but uh, he was sitting beside him and I, I forgot to mention deliberately that uh, we were going to do a test fire. And next <laughs> minute he started opening up, well... This this guy's head, he, he pretty much just appeared, disappeared into his shoulders. Yeah, you know, was that we, he actually obviously thought that we were going to start getting fired upon, but mm. yeah, it was just a test fire. Yeah, it's a it's a human natural reaction, mate. There's there's no judgment on that fella. It's bloody uh, if you don't know what's coming and you don't know how you're going to react in a in a certain circumstance, you'll know when it's happening. That was his first deployment, and he'd done an absolute phenomenal job. Awesome. The, the guy was an absolute legend. I'm glad I took him with me. You know, he uh, he knew what he had to do. We'd, we'd trained before we headed over there. And, yeah, landing in TK, we did our job. We stayed at Camp, Camp Russell and uh, we helped out uh, the boys there and very professional. You yeah. know, it was, it was, again, good times. That night we got uh, we got hit four times. Mm. You know, the first time we... Was um, that early in 2006 then? Uh, if it's cold? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, right. it was. Yeah. yeah, I was still there yeah. then. Yeah, then. yeah, right. Yeah, I was, uh, August 05 to uh, April 06 yeah. was my first... So yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, that was that that was a real um, eye opener, you know, to have four rockets uh, and one of them came into base, and yeah, that got pretty mess, messed up. Mm. You know, one of the um, the civvies that was actually working in there, he, he got killed, and a few other boys got pretty severely injured. Yeah, but um, one of the one of the uh, the SAS fellas, you know, as as the the first one came in, you know, we had um, containers, you know, covered in um, sandbags. Yeah, you had and the Russian go and get, yeah, yeah. get out of bed. Yeah. And, and he's like, just stay out of here. You know, those things are like bloody well coffins. You know, if, you get, yeah. if they get hit directly, we're gone anyway. Yeah. You know, so we just stayed outside of the um, of these, these containers. Yeah. It's an unusual feeling, isn't it? I'm not trying to be too dramatic here, but when you – because all of the um, all the bomb-proof shelters had not been built by then, no, no, it was you were in bloody wooden, wooden bloody uh, humpties, and you know, and sleeping in tents. Most of them were wooden or tents. And yeah. when you are fast asleep, and that air raid siren goes off, and you know that they're pointing bombs towards you, and then the bombs are in the air, and you're going to get your shit out of bed, and then go run somewhere. It's literally a game of Russian roulette, and it is, yeah, too right, it is. It's bloody, you know, Daniel, it's, it's, you know, imagine that, mate, just bloody fast asleep, and then all of a sudden the siren goes off, like it's fucked. You know, there's far, far worse circumstances to be in, but you know, that's it's certainly that was my first exposure to a bit of danger over there as well. I'm like, holy shit. And when it goes off, two things you're like, thank fuck that wasn't right next to me. And the second thing is like, holy shit, I hope no one's hurt. Oh, so, no, definitely. You, you're yeah. always worried for your, your the guys that you're working with and, and the other, other, you know, allies that are actually on the base as well. You know, next minute when you hear a few, you know, screaming and, and what going on, you know, something's gone, gone yeah. bad. Yeah. When was your first, um, did you experience any trauma over there? Did you experience any sort of, you know, um, no, b- bad experiences? No, I, I didn't, know. no. no oh, I, I was pretty fortunate um, with, with Afghanistan not to see any full-on trauma stuff because I was actually there to do a job and, and teach um, these guys how to use these specialised vehicles. Yeah. And uh, just going off out, outside the wire, as they call it, and uh, just patrol around and um, they, these particular vehicles they i can't go into detail mm. because of what they are but um yeah they, they served a purpose and um you know we uh we achieved what we were there for and uh we trained up quite quite a few people on on these particular yeah specialized vehicles i remember mate when i was a junior nco and senior nco it was all about if you're not an operator if you're not going outside the wire you're just a fucking pogue and you're less than us that's the way i thought and um, to be fair a lot of other people thought the same 
But when I became an officer and you had a broader understanding of the overall capability, that those vehicles won't work unless they're maintained properly. Those operators can't do their jobs in those vehicles unless they're maintained properly. The mission and the outcome that we're trying to achieve as a command chain won't occur unless the vehicles are maintained properly. So I had a really, really, di- I had a really different mindset as far as the importance of. There was no pogs, there was no operators, there was no shooters, there was no, you know people with bloody sitting behind a desk, everybody was there to serve their purpose and everybody was interdependent and reliant on each other. 100%. Everyone did have their purpose. Everybody was there to help out every single person from, you know, the cooks all the way to, you know, Ramey or, you know... Uh, if there's the no Q&M. cooks, you don't have any fucking food. How are you going to fight, you know. fight on an empty stomach? And, like, good luck eating fucking rat packs, especially as a SOCOM guy. Oh. Like, the mess was over there was good. You would have loved that. <laughs> you know, be, being in Camp Russell and uh, and and being detached to the, the South Wales, we were pretty well fed. Of you course, know, we ate what they ate. Yep. We didn't go to the it's other the messes, best, isn't it? <laughs> you know, it, it was you know, and and it was quite funny. One one day we've walked up to Camp Russell, and we've and the next minute this woe's gone. Hey, what do you think you're going uh, doing over there? And I started punching in the code, and I said, "Because we meant to." <laughs> yeah. Now get fucked. <laughs> I didn't he quite, was a, he didn't was a grump, grumpy sergeant major, wasn't he, Daniel? <laughs> Oh, there you go. Mate, good stuff. How was life when you got back to Australia? You know, there'll be people listening right now that have had a deployment to Afghanistan in or outside the wire, crazy fucking place, getting bombed left, right and centre, and you come back to Australia for the first time. Did you have a complete different viewpoint, perspective, stance on the world? Uh, 100%. Even, even, you know, that first deployment, not necessarily the second deployment to East Timor, but the first deployment to East Timor, we were getting, you know, weapons pointed at us, you know, and then obviously with Afghanistan, again, to go into Afghanistan and know that these people are trying to kill you, you know, not necessarily East Timor, but, you know, it was really one of those things that... Um, that was this was real. This was this was, was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. That. Um, so that's what I mean. So coming back to Australia now, the safe haven. There's a there's a everybody was heightened. It's right. There's an emotional and mental roller coaster everyone goes on, especially in the first one. That's just it changes your life, mate. Would it, you agree? It, it does. You know, and you know, you start arguing about the simplest things. You know, somebody you see somebody you know complaining about. You know, the little tiny kid. You know, I want, I want, I want a toy. You know, and then you think to yourself, well, I've just come back from East Timor. There's no kids with any toys over there. And you come back from Afghanistan. You know, a lot of these young girls, you don't see any because you know they're getting abused through their own culture. And then some of these young boys, you know, they're getting abused through their culture. It's a fucking you know, crazy it, world, mate. You know, you ab- can't explain it all. No. Like, I'm, I'm hearing yeah. you now. You're a, you're a very good speaker, and for you not to be able to explain perfectly what it means is totally natural. Because I can't even explain it. It's just another culture, and it's completely foreign to us. It's a cultural change, and, and it is all about their culture. You mm-hmm. know, we're going over there. They don't. They don't want us to be there. Correct. You know, we're we're trying to stop what's going on with within their culture, but again, we're not there to actually change their culture. We're just trying to bring peace to, you know, their way of living. But a country that's been at war for hundreds of years. You know, <laughs> they've they've fought against every single person that surrounded them. You know, and they continue to win. You know, it's um because they got one thing on their mind on their on their side. Hills, time, time, well, yeah. <laughs> hills and time, <laughs> mountain ranges. You know, well, they, that's all about their local environment. But they got time, know, mate. They, they've got so much. You know, they're, they're, they're mountain ranges. They're, they're rabbit warrens. You know, the the amount of you know years. It's going to probably take another five hundred years because until they can actually realise that you know 
peace is a better way of living mm. and you know give these women a chance you know? and i won't likely i won't lie to you buddy the chances of you and i still being here then are slim very yeah <laughs> like i said 500 years definitely won't be here hey did you do another trip over there I didn't do another trip to Afghanistan, but I did go to um, Iraq in. Um, well, I did another trip to uh, East Timor in two thousand and seven. Yeah, after so that would have been very different again. It, it was, yeah. It was more of a, everyone kept on relating to it as a, a Bali or a you know a <laughs> Thailand type you know trip. You know, it was pretty easy going. Sure, and uh, just again supporting different areas. Just Basic military uh, presence from and, a yeah, and and it was you know I still still loved it, still enjoyed it, still saw more of the country, um, still smelt the same, Min- it, minus it, the bodies though. Yeah, 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 pretty much. You know, yeah. um, you know, yeah, you, f- you still had a bit of gang violence here and there, but um, it was pretty much under control. Um, again, from SOCOM, I, I got a choice where I wanted to go, and I, I chose six area. Great, and um, pretty much on the on the day that I marched in, I was told, yeah, off to East Timor. Mm. You know, you've, you've, I've, I've come, you know, highly recommended. And uh, here I was and all these other corporals are thinking, you know, who's this bloke? just marching, he's getting a bloody good trip. Yeah. You know, and a third one yeah. of that to uh, East Timor. You know, it's funny, as, as a business here that's local to South East Queensland, we have lots and lots of clients that have, you know, come from come from 6RER and all of them love serving there. All Absolutely. of them are very proud. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've not been there myself, of course. Um, and I didn't even I didn't even get a post in the southeast Queensland at all, but yeah, mate. There's you know you hear about the one RERs, the two RERs, the three RERs, and the, and the other special forces regiments. But from my point of view, anyway, I've spoken to so many people that come from the six RER battalion group, and they fucking love it. Absolutely, yeah. I, I I love being at six RER transport. You know, and just working with all the all the guys and girls there. You know, the professionalism was absolutely. Uh, Phenomenal, and not saying none of the other ones weren't Definitely either. Definitely not. Nope. You know, but it was just, you know, I love being at SOCOM. You know, the professional in there, but you worked and you worked hard because you had to provide a service like twenty four seven, and everything is real. Every, everything <laughs> is one hundred percent real. There's there's no mucking around. You know, pretty much um, marching into six uh, area and getting a, another trip over to East Timor. I met some of the boys again. You know, and uh, they were coming up to me saying, Spaney, the guy that we got working for us at the moment is not doing his, his job. Can you help yeah, us out? Yeah, before yeah. I knew it, I was going to the QM and saying, QM, can you, can you help these boys out? Yeah, and next good. minute he saw who they were and, you know, introduced them. And before you know it, I was getting shit done again. Of course. Yeah, good on you. you know, but, yeah. but again... Everything's about relationships, mate. And, and it is. You know, you, you form that relationship of trust. And it's not just in, in the army, but in business as well. Mm. You know, if you can provide a service and, you know, and you can get rid of all the red tape... You know, and keep it simple. The, the simpler it is, the easier it is, and the quicker the mission can be done. Yeah. Tell us quickly about your Iraq trip, because I want to start to talk about transition and what you're doing now, mate. Yeah, Iraq. You know, I spent just um, over 10 Because I there. didn't do a trip, so yeah. I did not go to Iraq. So I'm, I'm interested to see, um, you know, what, what it was all about for you. That Yeah, that was um, Talil. Um, that was a, that was a different experience again. Again, everybody wanted to try and kill us. You know, IDs everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, what year we're talking now? Uh, that was in again two thousand end of two thousand and seven through to two thousand and eight. Yeah, so you had a very condensed and very busy deployment schedule, really, didn't you? I loved it. Yeah, I absolutely loved. It. I loved going. And again, that was another reason I didn't want to be promoted to sergeant because yeah. I wanted to be. So you're full track, full track by now. Yeah, I was. Yeah, good man. Yeah, a corporal by then. And again, absolutely loving it. And uh, everybody was relying on me. Um, I had an awesome section, you know. Um, again, six area, just absolutely phenomenal. You know the, um, 
our, our woes. You know, they just pretty much gave me free reign. Um, Ramey Way, he gave me free reign. Good. And uh, do you remember why? I told you before. Yeah, there's five yeah. reasons why they do it, you mate. Know, and you've got it in spades. You know, it's, it was one of those things that you know they just didn't micromanage me. As soon as they sent me a task to do, I did it. Uh, you know, and I was even building things for for the pommies. You know, and I was awarded a uh, Rastafari coin while I was over there nice. by uh, Brigadier Freeman. Well done. You know, and uh, not only the the Pommies, but the Yanks and our, ourselves. I was, um, yeah. you know, welding up different ideas. I'm a bit of an ideas man, so mm. I like um, coming up with different inventions and concepts. Good, mate. And, uh, Good. You got back to Australia. Um, when did it start to sort of first – when did you start to get the feeling in your, in your heart and your soul that maybe my time in the military is coming to an end? Yeah, again, 2008, 2009, you know, I was going through a few uh, few issues and uh, some of these injuries that I, that occurred, you know, in my whole transition of being in the military, they all started to, to flare up. I ended up with a, uh, a lower back fusion, right, uh, right shoulder um, surgery and, um, you know, and then I had neck issues, left shoulder, right hip, left, left hip, you know, and my knees were gone. You know, Jeez, mate! You know you, you you put in. You just you just don't want to let anyone down whatsoever. You know, carrying, carrying packs with fifty kilos plus, and trying to yep. you know pack light and as I said before, freeze at night. But you know, it was just one of those things that I was packing for my section as well because I didn't want them to to go without. So it was just one of those things that yeah, you check what they're carrying. You, everyone empties their packs, make sure you got they got everything. But but again, you just don't want to let your section down. So it was more that injuries and the pain and the lack of lifestyle or uh, quality of life that you were starting to feel is that was sort of the main driver and 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 yeah it was um you know i was suffering from uh i i didn't want to admit to it but yeah i had uh, a lot of pdsd from obviously the first trip the second trip third mm. fourth and obviously the fifth as well yeah man. You know, it's cumulative buddy and you know when you get back to australia and you hit that lull lull in the battle no no one's doing anything you know you think to yourself uh what's next you know and pretty much from there um we were just trying to uh, to adjust to you know back to normal life, and and you just can't do it. You're heightened all the time, you know. You, you hear a, a a car backfire, and next minute you you think of shit to do. I have to drop to the ground. Yeah, <laughs> when North run North's down, going crawl. On. Yeah, yeah. They fire. That's yeah. it. You know, and yeah, yeah. Bombardier you taught us all that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's yeah. a struggle, mate, isn't it? it, it and it is one hundred percent. You know, sleep at the moment and. You know, becoming a real estate agent, I tell people I'm available 24-7. Yep. And the reason I'm available 24-7 is because I don't sleep. That's how, you, that's how you're, you're wired, mate. Yeah, the, the military taught you to do that. that that's right. You know, and uh, you, you know it yourself. Mm-hmm. When you're passionate about something, and I've seen you through your career from pretty much Kapuka, you know, seeing you up in Townsville, you know, hitting those golf balls around, me mm-hmm. hitting your ball and hitting it on the green, you hit mine in the, yeah. into the bunker. Yeah. You know, you're Funny just you're, you're so passionate and you just see you here at Axon and everybody looks up to you. You know, nice, you're mate. getting you're getting so much done and, you know, a lot of soldiers are still calling me from the Army, um, Navy, Air Force going, you know, Spain, I'm thinking about buying my first house, looking at leaving the Army. I'm saying, call Axon. Yeah, you know, this you, is mate. a link. Yeah. You know, this is a guy that's professional. Even though that I helped a lot of my soldiers mm. and a lot of my sections enter into um, investing in property, you know, at, at, instead of them pissing their money up against the tree or that sort of thing, mm. you know, and, and buying that first new car, you know, it's just like buy a property. Yeah. You know, that's what's going to set you up and put a roof over your head if you discharge. When you got out, how were you first feeling? Yeah, uh, I lost my purpose. You know, the, the biggest thing is... Um, in the army, you are seriously—you've got a purpose to to 
finish the mission, make sure everybody's safe. There's no issues with anyone, and pretty much there when you when you get out, you got nothing. You know, it's, as soon as you as soon as you walk out those gates, you look back. You're thinking to yourself, I'm, I can't go back in there again. Mm. You know, you got to get escorted, and you're escorted like uh, you're a criminal. Yep. In some cases, you know, I, I look at some warrant officers. You know, some. That, that have gone through their whole career 20, 30 years, the next minute they can't even go in there as well. Yeah, they've got their mates and all that sort of thing still serving, but, you know, you know, I've got one mate, he just got out just this year, and he's and I did two tours with him. And How um, many years did he end he up He did doing? 23 in total, and yeah. he'd done five tours as well. Right. You know, but he was uh, he was Landshack when he, when he got out after Shit. 23 years. He was, he was one of those sort of guys. He'd done, yeah, like, like I mentioned, yeah, five tours as well, and he went to Afghanistan as well. Um, not with me, but... Um, with uh with some other um, units, and uh, yeah, again three tours to East Timor and uh, you know Solomon Islands all that sort of stuff. Mate, I see it. So there's other corporals that I was down at Kapuka with when I met you. Yeah, yeah. They're still in now, and they're tier three, four RSMs. Yeah, they've yeah. all done thirty odd years, thirty five years, and I can clap and congratulate and honour them all the time that I see their stuff on social media. Yeah, but you yeah. know what? There's another part of me that says, "Fuck, it's going to be hard when you get out." Definitely, because the longer you're in, the more ingrained you are. The harder it's going to be to extract yourself back out of the beast and find out who the fuck. Like when you're a, when you're a bloody tier two, three, four RSM, your levels of pride, your levels of respect, your levels of recognition, everyone fucking jumps when you fucking say how high. It ain't like that in the real world. No, so in, in a part of me, and I'm not being geography, ladies and gents, please let me be very clear. A part of me feels sorry for them because what I know, I've been out for nine years now. I only did 24 years. Fuck, do, like being doing 34 years, there's an extra 10 years worth of stuff in your brain that you need, need to be able to get rid of and transition into. I couldn't imagine trying to transition after doing 30 plus years because I found it hard enough. I still find it hard enough now only after doing my time. So it's, it's, a, it's a real double-edged sword. Go as long and as hard and as fast as you possibly can with your military career, but know this, it is going to come to an end. It's not if you get out, it's when you get out. And the deeper you're in, the fucking longer it's going to take to get out again. And what I mean by out, find your purpose, find your passion, find your identity. Who are you when you don't have a uniform on? Who are you when you don't have your post nominals on your fucking LinkedIn profile that no employer gives a fuck about? You know, as it, as it says in the movie, Tom Cruise, it's time to let go. Yeah, yeah Remember right. the words yeah, that he's yeah, talking yeah, to yeah, Val yeah, Kilmer yeah, about? Spoiler, yeah. it's too fucking late yeah. if you haven't seen the movie by now. <laughs> I don't care that I've spoiled it. Like, you've got to let go. It took me a long time to let go. Yeah. I don't even know if I have still. But, you know, I've, I'm so proud of those people that are still serving and, and doing an amazing job. But Jesus, going to be a hard road out unless they unless they land on their feet and they've got that soft landing and they go to an organisation that loves and respects and cares for them and pays them and rewards them for all the service they've done. It's it's a tricky one, mate, isn't it? And, and it is. You know, I've I've got really good mates that I've served with, and again, their woes RSMs as well. And you know, they're they're still serving. You know, if if it wasn't for my injuries, I would I'd still be in. You know, yeah. Just I, I did. I love my career. I'd now, probably I mean. still be in too if it wasn't for a couple of un, unfortunate events. Yeah. I have no doubt about that. And I often think I'm like, what? The, where would I be? What would I be doing? You know, I fucking I'd probably still be a major. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. fifth year major when I got out of me. Fucking, th- 
what, 14-year major under awesome. my belt by now. I don't know. Someone might have bloody felt sorry for me and given me a promotion one day. But, you know, one thing I do know, mate, and as you and I transition into what we're doing now, you know, Axon's created over $160 million of wealth into the yep. defence community. And I know that you have countless millions of dollars that you have provided wealth into people's lives as well. And you just can't do that if we were still serving. So it's a no. real, you know, and and I feel now that I'm living my best life you, above all, knew that I was a lean, green fighting machine that had fucking <laughs> gr- army green running through my veins. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and some say I still do. My wife certainly does. Um, but one thing I do know, mate, is, and you would agree, the, the success and the trials and tribulations that we've been able to achieve since getting out, this is us living our best life. And, and it is. You know, to become a civilian, you know, again, it was very hard. Finding your identity again, having a purpose, thinking what am I going to do next? You know, the injuries I was still going through, I still needed other, you know, surgeries on my left shoulder. My neck Mate, I spoke to you six months ago, you were in hospital. Yeah, I was in hospital. Again. <laughs> I, you know, the funny thing about that one, like no, November last year had me nah, neck fused and um, I sold three houses from your hospital bed. Wow. You know, and... Uh, <laughs> there you go, 24-7. <laughs> you know, it's it quite funny. I had a phone call from these uh, these buyers for this property and um, I had a friend come and pick me up, you know, walk me downstairs and next minute I'm getting changed into... Uh, yeah, a suit and tie and all all the sort of stuff, but I still got this big patch on my neck, and uh, yeah, she's driven me out to uh, these um, two properties I had for sale. You know, one point four and a one one point two mil property. They didn't want the one point four, so I pretty much told them let's go and have a look at the one point two. You know, showed them around, and uh, yeah, next minute they've just gone, yeah, we'll take this one. You know, so yep, did the offer to purchase, sent it all off to. Uh, the conveyances and the solicitors, you know, the buyers and the and the, the sellers, mm-hmm. they're happy with everything. And Great. Then, and then we, before I knew it, I was back in hospital again, <laughs> and um, yes, spent another two three days in there. But yeah, went through in a couple other more sales as well. Yeah, good on you, know, mate. That's, and, that's uh, what it's all about. Tell me, um, what's it like being a business owner as a veteran? Um, again, you know, I went for so many jobs when I first um, got my certificate. Nobody wanted to hire me because of my injuries and my issues. Right. So the only other alternative was to uh, to start my own business. Yeah. No one would yeah. want to hire me either. That's you why know, I'm like, fuck it, I'll start my own. You know, I was thinking on that on the way in here today and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I can only work for myself. And then I'm thinking to myself, you know, the way that RT is passionate about Axon you can you, you know for a fact that you know from his kapuka days through to his whole army career that there's no way that he could work for someone else because he's passionate about being a business owner. I tried it for a few years. It's a funny story. I tried it for a few years, and I and I'm, I'll say it again and again. That other gentleman who gave me a shot when I got out of the military, whilst we don't speak anymore and we left on un, unreasonable terms, I'm forever grateful for the chance that he gave me. I'll say it again, and I'll say it again near here now. When I was transitioning away from that business and I was telling some of my other friends down here, even some of the, some of the business owners of restaurants I go to, you've seen me, yeah, yeah. In, I mean restaurants all the time. Yeah. Um, I said to the, one of the gentlemen, I was like, oh, I'm just about to finish up with this other fella and start my own business. And do you know what he said to me? He goes, I thought you owned that other business. Yeah. I was like, well, yeah. that's probably part of the reason why I'm not there anymore because I care about that business more than what the current business owner does. So I'm like, why the fuck am I doing it with him? And I've, I've documented the rest of the story on my on my other sort of podcast. So, mate, there's a lot to be said about passion, you know, and, and when you fucking truly believe that what you are doing is helping other people. I've got this saying, I care so much, I don't care. Yeah, 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 100%. Man in the arena. Yeah. You can take pot shots. Uh, yeah. You can take pot shots at me and pot shots at Axon and pot shots at what we do, 
But unless you're fucking doing what we're doing, donating money to veteran charities like I know you're a huge yep. contributor to and changing the lives of other people, shut the fuck up. You know, you're always <laughs> going to get those backstabbers and there's a reason why they're behind you because yeah. they're failing, you're not. Yeah. You know, and, th- and that's what I realise in business. You know, before um, I started my own business, I actually did go out with uh, two ladies, uh, you know. and, uh, and At the same time, it's true. Yeah. No, 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 no b- business owners, oh. you know. <laughs> but no, they're, they're absolutely phenomenal. And like yourself, you know, one of these ladies, you know, I was always, you know, I was so regimented and she kept on saying to me, you know, calm down a little bit, you know. And, you know, when somebody said something bad about anybody, you don't say nothing bad about a woman in, in my presence because I'll stick up for them. I Good. don't care who they are. Good. You know, and the next minute she pretty much turned around and said, look, I don't care what people say about me. They're behind us for a reason and uh, we're, we're doing really well. Just care about the sale, care about the uh, the vendors and the, and the buyers. Don't worry about other agents, mm. you know. And then pretty much, you know, it didn't really catch on until later on. And um, then I started to learn, you know, how to become a civvy again. And, mm. uh, you know, she's amazing. You know, I still work with her today. She's actually at Koloshi, an amazing agency. And so is um, her... Uh, the other lady, you know, she's she's amazing as well. They're both at Koloshi and it, it is an amazing agency. You yeah, know. very, very prominent, very well-regarded, award-winning real estate yeah, firm yeah. here. on the. And it, you know what? To your credit, mate, it's so nice to hear you speak about a, a, a effectively a rival firm in such, you know, gracious terms. You know, Michael, he, he's, he runs a real family team, you know. Yeah. They are his family. Every agent that works for him, you know, the, the one thing about business – you don't denigrate other agencies. You know, it makes you look unprofessional. But why denigrate such a professional agency like Colossi? They are every person that I've, I've I've spoken to there. You know, even the principal Michael, absolutely amazing. You know, they've helped me out with things. You know, even um, a uh, the, a uh, a owner of um, Harvey Norman. I took a client there and he spent over hundred twenty thousand dollars in mm. one day. Mm. You know, from from there, you know, he the the property three point seven million dollar property I sold to him. You know, it was just one of those things. Working with other people, you always... If you've got nothing good to say about someone, you just don't say it at all. Yeah. Plain and simple. I've got this little... I heard this from uh, one of the mentors that I follow in, a guy on the internet, not a mentor. He said, look, if you want to build the biggest building in town, build the biggest business in town, you've got two choices. You can tear everyone else's building down or just focus on building your own business. 100%. And guess what I'm doing? Yeah. The latter. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. I've not built Axon as an ivory tower where people can just fucking take pot shots at us. It's a steel fucking fortress. Yeah. I will not go at anyone else until they have a crack at me and then watch the fuck out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, we, we need to be able to protect what we've got. We know what we, you and I have both worked incredibly hard. We've focused on, you know, creating a business model. We've got our clients, we've got our reputation, we've got our service. And if anyone's going to try and take it down, mate, look, you know, it's going to come back plus GST. It's hard, you know. <laughs> it takes a good two years to actually build a profile, database, network, you know, people to trust you, forming that connection of trust with buyers and sellers, and you know, other builders, contractors, you know. And when you build that, you know, that connection of trust and paying people all the time when they need to be paid, yeah. You know, if people are waiting to be paid, they don't, they don't trust you anymore. Yeah, you're gone. You, know, you, 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 you are, you are, you 100% yeah. gone, mate. I've loved this. Um, final question from me to you: What would you say to young Sean? That's just joined the army, because I know there'll be other people out here listening about oh you know following these guys on Axon veterans talking about joining the military transition etc. What would you say to yourself now with your life hindsight, uh, hindsight, 
when you got off that bus at Kapuka, whether you I was with the first bloke or not, the probably there was probably an, an MP directing traffic there in the first instance, while us bloody RIs were rubbing our hands together, going, "Can't fucking wait to get my bloody, <laughs> you know, my teeth stuck into these guys." What would you say to yourself back then, mate, as you were about to embark on your amazing military career? Don't change a thing. Just keep going with it. You know, I, I recommend the army to anyone, navy, air force. You know. You know, being in, in the Defence Force is a true honour. You know, serving your country, doing your bit and uh, and helping out others, especially in these other countries, and trying to pr- provide peace to them. Not, again, not change their cultures, but, you know, we did it for the kids. You know, see those kids running around happy and all that sort of thing. It, uh, in it places like Timor and Afghanistan. Afghanistan, yeah, yeah, Iraq, yeah. you know, and just see them, you know, knowing that he's us Aussies flying the flag. You know, and uh, who are these people? You know, mm-hmm. putting our roads, community centres, bridges. You know, creating a, uh, a, a the freedom. Yeah. You know, and that and that's what it's all about, mate. Awesome, Shawnee Spain. You got a couple of flies in here. I just uh, hold it up to the camera that you can see on this side. You can see. Um, you know, you trusted me with your country, you can trust me with your home. So we've got, you know, luxury real estate sales, bespoke realty, Gold Coast. Mate, you've done so well, buddy. I thank you for bringing in some of your flies. If you are here in the Gold Coast and you are looking to buy a property or sell a property, go speak to this guy. He'll look after you. You know, he'll, you know, make sure that you're being, you're being absolutely looked after from a trust, integrity, you know, and sort of genuine manner, mate. Um, I've loved having you here on Axons Unleashed. It's been a long while coming. I know you and I got very busy schedules, but um, if there's anything else that comes up in the future, mate, I can't wait to have you come back on. Awesome. Thanks for having me today. Thank you, brother. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate yeah, it, mate. No Good worries. On you. Speak Cheers. to you soon. You bet. Yeah, bye.